Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Andy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at that handle on Twitter, and you can also find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter as well. This week, we're going to be talking about the mystery of the ivory charm, which, oh my god, like, we're we're quite literally going to be talking about the elephant in the room. The ivory charm in question is, in fact, an elephant, and... Holy fucking post-colonial back, man. I mean, just, oh my God, it's, it's, it's going to be real, real bad. Just, just real bad. Um, I actually looked it up because I was curious. Um, We've talked about how the Nancy Drew books were revised and starting in the late 50s, um, just to remove some of the more racist stereotypes and some of the technology issues that were happening. So again, this one's 1936. And we're back with the notorious MWB, Mildred Ward Benson, who wrote Clue in the Diary. So we're back with her. She actually wrote the two volumes of four Mystery of the Ivory Charm, but they don't involve Ned, so we're just going to kind of skip over those. And again, I can always go back to them because holy shit, like there's just, there's just a shit ton to unpack, but like, let's be honest here, one of the primary reasons that I like to read Nancy Drew books is to see if she's going to get with Ned, so... It's cool. Um, here's the problem with this one. It is a, it's a lot of white savioring. <laughs> Just a, a fuck ton of it. Oh my God. Um, yeah, it's, and I'm kind of, kind of probably discuss this in three phases. And the first one's going to be like the actual just bat bonkers plot that we've got going on the second part is probably going to be like let's unpack all the bullshit that we just read through and then all the cute nancy ned moments because there's actually a bunch in this like this in other ways is kind of a train wreck but also just a lot of super cute nancy ned stuff going on my favorite yes okay so let's start off with the actual plot uh nancy bess and george actually have just spent a an entire month at a, a mountain camp just doing a bunch of stuff like swimming and Nancy kicking ass at every single fucking thing she tries as normal and like she and her friends are waiting at the train station to go back to River Heights and her friends are like you actually seem like you really want to get home like you did not just enjoy this month long just basking in the sun and whipping everyone's ass at every single competition and Nancy's like yeah I mean I was having fun and all, but, and her friends are like, it's because you didn't stumble into a mystery. And she's like, you know me, you know how I do. So they're looking around and they're just like wasting time until their train arrives. And then they hear a train arriving and they're like, oh yes, it's our train. Thank God. And the guy who runs the place is like, no, no, this is a special freight train. So they see the train pulling up and it's a circus train, which... (laughs) I've never seen a fucking circus train in real life. Like, I assume this was a legit thing. Like, that makes some sense. But I'm talking like an actual train on a train track. I'm not talking like a, a caravan of vehicles. So they, of course, pay attention to it. And they can't see into some of the cars, which is deeply disappointing. But they see the elephant, of course. Because the elephant is too big to be transported the way that I don't know. Whatever the fuck. It doesn't matter. It's a plot point. Um, So the elephant gets away. And he's... Well, he doesn't get it. He's like being led off the the train car that he had been transported in. And he's being led by this tiny, tiny 12-year-old named Koya, who I will actually use his name. Like the other guy I'm going to call dipshit because I hate him. But anyway, 
Um, so Koya is leading the elephant along and he's got a hook, but he doesn't use it. And he's just like talking gently to the elephant and being real sweet. And Nancy and her friends are watching and they're like, that is super cute. Like he just has a way with that animal, which uh, asterisk, like um, so many asterisks. Oh my God. Um, and then this tall adult Indian guy runs up to him. The 12 year old Koya is also Indian. Um, the, the tall guy runs up to him and is like, no, no, you need to be using that whip, the the hook. You need to be getting after him, and you need to listen to me. And Koya's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, he listens to me because I just have a way about me. And so the guy, like, takes out a jeweled whip, which, like, are is this a fetish thing? Like, well, why the fuck do you have a jeweled whip? Who does one take whips to to get them bejazzled? Like, what the fuck? But anyway, so dipshit runs up and is like trying to chew him out it takes out this jeweled whip and just starts beating the shit out of him and nancy sees this and she's like fuck this no so she runs up to him and she takes the whip out of his hand and is like look he was doing nothing wrong he and that elephant were doing fine you need to step the fuck off and the guy's like i don't know what are you talking about like do not tell me how to raise my son and nancy's like look he might be your son i don't know but look you just need to stop this shit. And her friends are behind her and they're like, yeah. <laughs> As though they've now formed a biker gang and are wearing leather and are ready to kick some ass. So the guy's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I, I didn't mean anything by it. But, you know, occasionally you just got to beat the shit out of your son for reasons. And Nancy's like, whatever. So um, he, the dipshit, actually, like, goes over and, like, digs his hook into the elephant. And the elephant, like, is is not having it. He ain't having this shit. And Nancy's like, ugh, this is bullshit. She does not run over and take the hook out of the guy's hand, who is, like, just prodding this poor fucking elephant, who is named Old Tom. Like, I've got questions, but I don't want any answers. Um, not in this book. Um, so she and her friends wander over, and they see that there's a train car that Nancy's like, oh, I wonder what's in there. And George is like, I think you better stay away from that one because she points at a sign on the outside that says that it is full of snakes. So Nancy's like, no, no, I'm cool. Much like Indiana Jones, she ain't here for that shit. So she and her friends are talking and actually um, dipshit comes back up to him and he's like, oh, I am like super good at fortune telling, but only if you cross my palm with silver. And the girls are like, okay, cool. Like this seems legit because Nancy and her friends get their fortunes told in like every other fucking book. Like... I guess it was kind of like saying, I want to give you a handout, but you're going to have to give me a fortune cookie in return. So anyway, um, Bess is the first one and is like super generic. And it's like, you're going to get a really cool letter and you're going to maybe get a phone call. That's also going to be nice. And I don't know, like pay up. So Bess and George get their fortunes told, which are they're disappointingly generic. And then Nancy's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and she's just looking off into the distance like, I, I just ain't got time for this shit. And dipshit is like, I mean, you you sh- really should get your fortune told. Like, I am told that I have a way with these things. And Nancy's like, what the fuck ever, fine. So the guy's like, I think there's something real bad's going to happen to you. And again, this is the guy that Nancy just took the fucking whip out of his hand. is like, you stop being a dipshit. Like, you just stop it right now. So then he looks up and like his eyes start bulging because a fucking snake has just dropped down out of the tree and is wrapping itself around Nancy. And Nancy's like, just 
completely stone petrified at this point, which let's be real, so would I be. Like, and Bess and George are like running around screaming. <laughs> like George runs and finds a stick and Bess is like, no. And so she's like runs over to the actual like circus train carrot, like that line of cars. And she's trying to find somebody who can do something because she's like, you know, clearly they must have a snake wrestler or something. So she find, runs around. And she's like, help, help. There's a snake. So Koya hears this and he runs off and finds somebody who actually like can do something about the snakes. And it ends up being a white guy. So that's cool. But he comes over and he manages to get the snake off Nancy. And in the meantime, dipshit is just like kneeling and just praying out loud in a foreign language. And Nancy's like, what the fuck? What? So the guy gets the snake off Nancy. And Nancy's like, thank you. Like, oh, my God. And her friends are like, oh, my God, that was the worst. And Nancy's like, I mean, I'm fine. As she's shaking. Dipshit looks up at her and he's like, oh, my God, you are magical and nancy's like i know this but like how specifically do you mean and dipshit is like you like that snake could have killed you and snakes can just look at people and kill them and the white snake handler is like you indians are so fucking superstitious oh my god like the a snake cannot kill you by looking at you just shut up but dipshit is like I have to give you something. And Nancy's like, no, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, I just want to walk this off. And Dipshit is like, no, no. And he takes this ivory charm, hence the name, from around his neck and is like, you should have this. It is, it's like, it's, it's really good. It gives the owner, the wearer of it, good luck. And the fact that I'm giving it to you is going to give me good luck. So I want you to have it. And Nancy's like, no, I can't accept this. I mean, no. I'm not superstitious. This is way too nice. Like, I, I can't accept it. And he's like, I insist. You must take this. Like, it's going to be good for you. And just wear it. And Nancy's like, fuck, fine, fine. So she puts it on. And then the train, their train arrives. And so they get to leave. And Nancy's like, thank God. Like, I, I want to get the fuck out of here. Like, seriously? Snakes? I mean, at first they were excited about the circus, but snakes so they get on their train and they're talking about what they're going to do when they get home the guy comes around to check the tickets and then all of a sudden they hear something a fracas at the other end of the car and koya has hidden out on the train car and so he sees nancy and her friends and he remembers that nancy was nice to him and like you know took the whip out of dipshit's hand and it's like please help me he beats the shit out of me please help me and nancy and her friends are like like they do have this moment where they look at each other and they're like i don't know if we should do anything about this because the guy's gonna fucking throw him off the train and nancy's like oh look i'm i'll i'll pay his fare because he's got no money of course he's got no fucking money so nancy pays for his fare so he's like thank you so much and Nancy's like okay where are you going though like you have no money like what what was your plan and koi is like i'll go wherever you go and nancy's like well, I'm I'm going home to River Heights, and Koi's like, then I am too, and Nancy's like, okay, okay, um, I guess I'll just talk to my dad about this, because, I mean, she's stuck, because she's like, he's not my child, he's not my responsibility, and, like, his dad, like, I, I know who his dad is, theoretically, but also, dude was clearly, like, being abusive, no, again, this is 1936, like, you... 
there are some child abuse laws on the books, like around the turn of the century. Some child abuse laws are actually put on the books, which actually were sourced from the ASPCA, which is just fucking ridiculous that we had like animal abuse laws before we had child abuse laws. But anyway, um, so like there is some about that, but like Koya is clearly also employed by the circus and there's zero regard for like any child labor laws. I mean, it's fine. Um, so Nancy's like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I should do about this. Like it's, it's a, it's a sticky wicket. Um, so she takes Koya home. Actually, um, when she pulls up at the train station is Ned's first appearance. And she's like, Oh my God, Ned, Hey, I did not expect to see you here. And he's like, I was just, you know, like talking to your family because I'm one of you now. And they mentioned that you were coming in. So I thought that would just come and pick you up. And Nancy's like, oh my God, that is so sweet of you. Also, like we have a stowaway and that's like, it's cool. We'll figure it out. So they actually like put Koya on top of the fucking luggage because again, this is 1936 and seatbelts were a thing for other people <laughs> slash the future. No one had a fucking seatbelt in 1936. Um, so Ned transports them home and is super sweet about everything. And so he delivers him, but he can't come inside because he he was running an errand and he's already late because his mom asked him to do something. And you're like, of course, Ned is that guy who would do stuff that his mom asks him to because he's an only child and he is also the best. So he drops Nancy off with Koya and Nancy's like, this is going to be bad. So she walks into the house and Hannah's there and Hannah's like, and who is this? And Nancy's like, so funny story. Um, I found an orphan. He's he's kind of not really an orphan, but he's super cute. And I, I think that he's really cool. And Hannah's like, and I wish I were not actually verbatim doing this. She's like, I ain't taking a, a brown baby to raise. And you're like, Hannah, please shut your fucking mouth. Anyway, so Koi's like, oh, no, no, I will. I will do chores. I will do whatever you want me to. And so he immediately like starts cleaning the windows until they shine like diamonds. And you're like, he's like little orphan Annie, just Indian. Um, but Hannah's like, I guess it, I guess he can stay if he can earn his keep, basically. So the really super creepy arrangement they eventually come up with is that Koya is going to live in the room over the garage, which Nancy says is nice and clean. And surely something better than he's lived in with dipshit. And you're like, you're, you're treating him like the help. Like, he's 12. He's fucking 12, y'all. And so, like, Hannah just puts him to work around the house. And is like, he's going to do gardening. And he's going to clean up and blah, blah. And he works his skinny little ass off. Um, When Nancy talks to Carson about it, and she's like, she tells him the circumstances. She's like, I just, I just don't know, like... What what should we do about it? And Carson's like, well, if you know who his dad apparently is. And Nancy's like, I really don't think that's his dad. Like, he was saying that's his son, but I really don't think they're related. And he's like, Carson's like, you don't know that. And, like, you've kind of abducted a child. <laughs> I mean, he kind of stowed away, but you also kind of abducted him. So, like, uh, we we should write him a letter. And Nancy's like... Okay, let's write him a letter. So it's basically like, here he is. Uh, let us know if you, you know, what you want to do about this. It's just super casual. And so they have to ask Koya. They're like, Koya, what's, what is Dipshit's name? And he's like, oh, let me write it out for you. And also let me mail this letter for you because I am a super helpful 12-year-old. So he writes out, which he can write, and he can write really well. 
Of course he can. So he's like, I'm going to go take the letter by. And he walks out of the house and he rips that thing into shreds and throws it in the gutter. And he's like, fuck all this. Because he has zero interest in dipshit knowing where he is. And I can't fault him for that. So Nancy's waiting for some word back from dipshit, of course, because he never received the letter. And I'm like, also, he's in a fucking traveling circus. Like, how how did you think this was going to play out? Were you going to be like to the circus train, wherever you may be, (laughs) but anyway, so Nancy's home one night, and she hears a knock at the door, she opens it, and this, like, super weird person is standing there, like, at first glance, she's like, oh, she's a young person, and then she's like, no, no, she's, she's, like, hitting 50, she's just super good with her makeup, so the woman comes in, and she's like, my name is Anita Allison, and I'm here to consult your father, and Nancy's like, cool um have y'all met and Anita's like no no but I've I've got a business deal and I need to consult him about it because I've had a dream that I should not do it and I just wanted to see what his opinion was and Nancy's like cool that sounds completely bonkers okay so Anita looks at the charm that Nancy's wearing around her neck because she has taken to wearing it with all outfits as one does like I guess she's wearing a lot of sweater combos I don't know but Anita sees it. I have no fucking clue what the season is for this. Side note. I mean, they've just been at camp, so this is probably summerish. Anyway, um, so Anita sees this charm that's hanging around Nancy's neck, and she's like, oh, my God. The ivory charm? Oh, my God. And, like, she fucking faints. And Nancy's like, what about the charm? Like, what the fuck is happening right now? So she's, like, trying to get the woman to, like, she's... She's, like, limp and in a trance state, and Nancy's like, I don't know what the fuck is happening right now, and so she hears, like, this person pounding at the door, and so she walks over, and it's this random dude, like, she was hoping that it would be somebody who could, like, help out, like, maybe her dad, but no, and so this guy walks in, and he's like, my name is Steve Roach, and I'm here, I'm her fiance, and Nancy's like, "Uh, okay, and he's like, this happens to her sometimes. I will just take her out to my car. And Nancy's like, um, are, are you sure? Like, I just wanted to see if maybe we could get her to wake up. Like, I don't, it was just super weird. Like, is, is she okay? And he's like, this is just a thing she does. Like, like she just gets fucking high on ketamine and just barges into people's houses and starts babbling about dreams as one does. So he picks her up and Nancy's like, I I don't know about this. He like picks up Anita and just hauls her ass out to his car. And Nancy's like, oh, okay. And then she shuts the door behind him and locks it. And then she's like, maybe I should not have done that. And I'm like, yeah, you generally you have better sense than this. But like for plot reasons, like it makes sense for her to just let this go. So dude just books it out of there. And Nancy's like, he could have been looking through, like, I didn't realize that the blinds were up, and he could have been looking through the window, and he saw her faint and just saw his chance, and, ah, uh, shit. So she sees her dad, and, she, and her dad's like, I've never heard of this bitch. And Nancy's like, uh, okay, like, maybe tomorrow she'll come by your office or some shit? I'd okay. Um, I mean, I just don't know. So the next day, while Nancy's like, first off, We've apparently got a 12-year-old forever. Like, we ain't heard nothing about him. Ned comes by, and he's like, hey, girl, hey. And Nancy's like, hey, oh, my God. It's so good to see you. And Ned's like, you want to go to a baseball game? And Nancy's like, of course I do. What happened to your car? And Ned's like, 
I was driving last night and this jackass pulls out in front of me and just bumps my fender. And then when I was, and Nancy's like, what are you, did you like get his insurance information? Did you call the cops or anything? And Ned's like, he was completely impatient and in a hurry. And he just threw $10 at me. was like, this should cover it and just hold ass. And he's like, it probably will cover it, but I kind of want to punch him in the face. So like metaphorically, he would like to give him a piece of his mind. And Nancy's like, can you describe him? And Ned describes him and Nancy's like, that was the guy. That was the guy from last night. And she tells Ned about like this bitch who just walked in and was like, I'm having dreams. And also that charm you're wearing. And yeah. So Ned's like, well, if we see him again, we can ask him about that. So they go to the baseball game and actually they pick up Bess and George on the way because of course they fucking do. And Ned sees this guy across the parking lot. He's like, it's him. That's the guy. That's the guy. So Nancy runs over to him and he's like, "Yes." And Nancy's like, "What? He? You're you're Steve Roach?" And he's like, "No, I'm not." And Nancy's like, "Yes, you are." Like last night, and the guy sees Ned and he's like, "You." So he's acknowledging that he's run into Ned, but not that he's seen Nancy. And you're like, "Okay, first off, is he just being a jackass in specific ways, or is there some sort of evil twin thing going on?" But anyway, so Ned's like. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. And Steve Roach is like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like that $10 should cover it. And that's like, I know, but still. And so he's like, peace out. Bye. And gets in his car and just drives away. (laughs) So they watch the baseball game, which thankfully in the book, it's like a paragraph and it's like, and the home team wins because of course, Nancy thinking about her mystery. Like she don't give a fuck. She she ain't here for that. If other people are cheering. Okay. She going down, join in, but that's about it. So the next thing that happens is Carson Drew's like, okay, so you were telling me about this Anita Allison, whatever she got going on. And Nancy's like, yeah. And he says, well, I, this guy came by my office and he was telling me about her. And apparently some land developers want to buy her land for a golf course because it is a naturally occurring golf course. Like it's got everything you would want in a golf course. It's got Mickey Mouse. It's got some grass and also some trees and possibly some sand traps with maybe some mutant spiders. I don't know. Like, it's going to be a kick-ass golf course. And Nancy's like, I love a naturally occurring golf course. I'm going to go check that shit out. So, of course, she gathers Bess and George, who are like, yes, we would love to go see a naturally occurring golf course. I mean, who wouldn't? That is exactly the shit that we are here for. So, also, Nancy's like, I guess we can invite Koya because he has done, like, literally nothing since he got here except for work his bony ass off because Hannah is a taskmaster. So, I think it would be fun for him to have a picnic. And so, Bess is like, and also he can carry the hamper. And you're like, Bess, can you please just, like, be nice to him for, like, two minutes? Please? But anyway, so, Koya does indeed carry the hamper. And they go out to observe this naturally occurring golf course, which... By the way, like, they have zero permission to do this. Like, they did not ask for any sort of permission whatsoever. And Nancy's like, yeah, I mean, like, we are trespassing. But also, I mean, it's a fucking naturally occurring golf course. It's as though we have the right to be here anyway. So, um, they go look around, and they see this house. Like, it looks pretty beat up, and... Nancy remembers hearing from her dad that, like, apparently there's some sort of house on the property, but, like, it's pretty beat down. Like, there's no real reason for Anita to not do this. Like, it's a really good deal for her. 
And Carson does not understand why she won't do it. Like, they're not going to wait around forever. But anyway, so they walk up to the house. And Koi is looking around and he's like, it looks real. I mean, I, I can't really see inside and I'm deeply curious about this. So they can't find him. They're ready to go. And so Nancy's like, I guess I'm just going to have to go in there and haul his ass out because I told him he was trespassing, which they all are. But anyway, um, so Nancy's like, well, I'm going to go in there and get him. And so she goes into the house and doesn't come back, which anyone who's seen a horror movie is like, you better not fucking go in that house. And George is like, well... I guess something happened. I'm going in. And so she goes into the house, which means that Coy's in the house. Nancy's in the house. Now George is in the house. Bess waits for 10 minutes and she's like, fuck this, which is like the most level-headed thing that you could possibly do. So she decides to go find somebody for help because she's like, you know, clearly something has happened to them. Like they would have come right back out if everything was fine. So if there's like somebody in the house that's taking them prisoner or something, like I'm not going in there by myself. She is the least athletic of all of them. So she goes down the road and she sees this big rock and like this door is opening in the rock. And I was like, it would make a lot more sense if like the rock was made out of paper mache because the way they describe the rock is that like a door has been hewn into the the stone on like fucking hinges. And so it swings outward and Bess sees George Stumbler. No, she doesn't see George Stumblet. I'm sorry. She sees Koya. She sees Koya coming out of it. Because, spoiler alert, a lot of people are going to be using this fucking door. So she sees Koya coming out. She's like, Koya, Koya, where's Nancy and George? And he's like, I, I did not see them. Like, it, that is a really, really weird house. And Bess is like, how so? Like, are, are there killers in there? And Koya's like, it has no insides. And Bess is like, what the fuck does that mean? It has no insides. And he's like it's got no fucking insides. Like, I don't know how to tell you any better than that. And Bess is like, apparently your English is still not that great. Let's go check this shit out. So indeed, like on the outside, it looks like a house, but on the inside, like there's no floor. There's just like the interior and a bunch of fucking ropes and a safety net that is kind of torn up. And so Bess looks into the house and she's like, uh, what the, what the literal blue fuck, and I'm gonna be honest with you, they never fucking explain what the fuck is happening, they never explain this, (laughs) it's like they just stumbled into a horror movie set, like, while the main characters were not there, and they're like, huh, that's weird, um, so yeah, so eventually they find Nancy who has scratched her arm on something. She's like, man, this place is fucked up. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck. There's a tunnel. I don't know. Um, but they can't find George. And then all they hear, sudden they hear this tremendous crash. And they walk over and they see that George has fallen off something. Like, if you walk into the house, because Koya was there with Bess, so he was able to tell her, like, how to maneuver. But there's, like, this really narrow ledge. And then there's steps leading down into, like, the dugout basement, which then goes into a tunnel. So if you, like, step into the house and you don't know what you're doing, like, if you were to open the door and just step inside like a normal fucking person would, you're just going to fall flat on your ass, like, 20 feet or some shit. So George, of course, is, like, all banged up. And Nancy's like, we need smelling salts. We need a stimulant. Go find something. In the meantime, they've run into this other guy who was in the tunnel. And he identifies himself as old baddie because, of course, he fucking does. And he's like, you stole my papers. And Nancy's like, oh, what? And he's like, 
I was supposed to take the, get these papers from somebody and you stole them. And Nancy's like, what the? No, I did not steal your papers, dipshit. Um, he's like really disoriented and also pretty mean and also like a dick. So Nancy's like, maybe he knows where there's like some sort of medicine kit. So they do actually find some smelling salts or some flat out cocaine who knows and so they give that to George and George is like oh my god this place is the fucking worst like can we please go home and everybody's like yeah let's let's jet because old batty is just he is here to kick some ass and he looks old and feeble but let's get the fuck out of here so they go home but Nancy of course is deeply curious about this place and who wouldn't be because oh my god so they go back to explore I think this is right I think so. So she takes everybody, including Koya, because, you know, why not? He ain't got shit to do. Um, He's got plenty of shit to do. Hannah is like, he better earn his fucking key. So they look around and they find that you can open the door in the stone only from the inside. Like, there's no way to open it from the outside. They investigate really hard. Um, Also, when they pull up, they see that Miss Allison is outside. Anita Allison is outside talking to the, like, somebody that's representing the people who want to buy her land and they're like look I'm not going to hold out this deal forever like you know clearly that you've got this ramshackle building and this beautiful naturally occurring golf course with all of these natural hazards which Bess is like I would not care for this course I would want to have these trees cut down if I were to golf here and George is like I probably wouldn't hit shit because golf is not a game that I play and I'm like that is probably literally the only game that you do not play because you are here to kick ass at every single sport known to man I don't know if she ever does curling, but that may be the only thing. So, so they see Miss Allison, and again, Nancy walks up to her, and she's like, hey, so you wanted to talk to my dad? And Miss Allison is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then she sees the elephant charm, and she just, like, goes into this fucking trance, and she pulls out this jeweled book from her purse that she just, you know, has in her purse, like, just as a notebook that she carries around for reasons, and you're like, what the literal fuck is happening right now, and so she starts reading it loud, and Nancy's like, tell me everything, and her friends are like, F this, I'm mobile, so they just wander off, because they're like, I, I'm not here for this shit, and Koya is definitely not here for this shit, um, but Nancy's listening, and she's like, I think, because, like, Mrs. Allison, Miss Allison kind of mentions Koya, just, like, vaguely, and Nancy's like, tell me everything, because she's, as she says to her father, he feels like he is of a better quality than jackass, however I referred to him earlier, that, that dick who was saying that he is his father, but anyway, Nancy's like, he seems like a better class of person, and she actually mentions to her dad that, like, they should get him a tutor, because he picks up on things quickly, and it would be good to, you know, help him learn, and Carson's like, cool and Nancy's like I think it would be really hard to find somebody to do that like it would be you'd have to find somebody who was like interested in Indian culture and knows a lot about it and can help him learn a lot and Carson's like yeah it does sound like a hard job and that is why I'm giving it to you and Nancy's like thanks a lot asshole but she happens to mention this to Ned who of course is just randomly passing by at this point and he's like oh my god there's this retired professor from Emerson who is all about some Indian culture oh my god and so he actually goes contacts the guy and the guy says 
whose name is like Winterbottom or some shit. It does not fucking matter. Um, Stackpole. I think it's Stackpole. I think somebody else in this book is named like Winterbottom or something. Or Winterhouse. Because again, like they threw everything into a Mad Libs generator for this one. So Stackpole. We're going to go with Stackpole. Stackpole comes over and meets Koi and is like, you seem pretty fucking cool. I would be happy to tutor you. And Nancy's like, how much do you want for this? Because she's like, he's a retired professor. He's going to be asking for a lot of money. Because, of course, you know, why the fuck wouldn't he? And he's like, I will ask for a pittance because I do this out of the goodness of my heart and only for people that I'm interested in. And Nancy's like, seems legit. So anyway, so she's talking to Miss Allison out at the side of her house. And Miss Allison is like, yes, there is, there's Koya who I had to had to do something to because he is not the right one for the throne and Nancy's like yes keep talking like what where are you going with this and Miss Allison's like I don't know I don't know um then they say Steve Roach who was like get the fuck off this property you did not have the right to be here go the fuck home and so they haul ass because of course they do and Nancy's like I am gonna come back you bitch but it's fine. Like, you do you. Because some some fishy shit is happening here. I, I don't care for this. There is one point where Koya actually gets in the house and he's, like, just up on all these ropes that they've got up there. They've got, like, a trapeze and ropes and everything, like, for, for people to practice acrobatics. Like, it makes sense that maybe dipshit with the circus is bringing people there but his job is not actually to work with any of the acrobats like it, it really doesn't fucking make any sense whatsoever oh my god but anyway so Koi is playing around on the ropes and he actually like gets caught in the ropes and Nancy and her friends come back and see him up there and he looks like he has fucking hanged himself and they're like oh my god and so Nancy has to climb a rope and she's like find me something to cut stuff with because apparently her Swiss Army knife is not curly on her or it's just not going to be enough. So they find a rusty saw standing in the corner because of course they do. And Nancy gets up there and they manage to get, they tie the saw to a rope that she's able to get to. And so Nancy fucking cuts him down, brings him down to the floor. They have to get stimulus to get him awake. And he's just, he's like, oh my God, oh my God, he saved my life. And Nancy's like, um, never do that again. Oh my God. Like what the, never do that again. And Koya's like, you saved my life, you saved my life, I love you. And Nancy's like, I mean, I know, but never do that again. And Koya's like, okay. <laughs> Which was fucking like, that. that's traumatic, that's fucking traumatic, but anyway. So. The next thing that happens, <laughs> if I remember correctly, there's a few different things that happen actually. I think the first one is that um, Carson's reading the paper and he's like, huh? And Nancy's like, what? And he's like, so Miss Allison's house burned down. This is like a day or two later. And Nancy's like, her house burned down? And Carson's like, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty fucked up, huh? And Nancy's like, well, I really wanted to show you the house, but I mean, now I guess let's just go look at the charred ruins of the house. Which there is one point where... Um, they find out there's a circus nearby. Yeah, I think that that's what happens first. They find out there's a circus in a nearby town. And so all of them go. Uh, Nancy, her dad, 
and Bess and George and Ned all go to the circus. They decide to leave Koi at home because they're like, I think that being at the circus may be, may awaken his PTSD, which seems like a completely fair thing to say. So they get there and Carson's like peels a bunch of money off the wad of cash that he's got in his pocket and gives it to Nancy. And he's like, okay, well, me and Ned are going to go explore and you girls get up to whatever you want to. And we'll meet back at the main tent near the monkey cage. And Nancy's like, or in it, you too. And they're like, oh, you're cute. And also I'm like, why are Ned and Carson going off together? I've, I've got questions. Is this like a chaperone thing just to make sure that they don't start making out behind some trees? Or is it that Ned's like, I need to talk to you about our impending engagement. Either of those things I'm okay with. But anyway. So they wander around. They're looking for Koya's adoptive father slash asshole. They don't see him. Um, They just... (laughs) They go look at some of the exhibits and they're like, that was a fucking waste of time. But then they go to the main tent. They find everybody. And as they're walking in, like, one of the fucking idiot clowns, like, walks over and pretends that he's pulling a chicken out of Ned's jacket or something, and Ned is, like, deeply embarrassed by this, and is like, I want to literally sing through the floor and die right now, and Nancy's like, it's, that was cute, though, I mean, I did not know that you carried around chickens, and Ned's like, I want to catch everything on fire, and then Bess, like, drops her shoe through the bleachers, and Ned goes down with her to retrieve it, and Bess is like, I am so mortified that I might literally die. And that's like, it's okay. I mean, we're both just super embarrassed right now. It's okay. So they're watching the show and Nancy's hoping that Dickhead is going to be the person who is doing the elephants, but he is not. And so she's like, oh, this is such a fucking waste of time. So she decides to go see the general manager of the circus as one does. And so she walks up into his tent and he's like, what what would you like and she's like so I've been trying to find this dickhead who was with your circus but apparently is not right now and he's like oh yeah yeah he left like 10 days ago because he wanted to go find his son and Nancy's like is he really his son and the general manager's like no one thinks so like we generally do not care for that bitch but I mean you know whatever and like as they're talking dickhead comes back into the tent because apparently he wants to get his old job back because he has had no trouble he's had trouble finding koya he doesn't know where he is and so the general manager is like oh you you want your old job back like somebody else is taking it over and so he sees nancy dickhead does and he's like oh my god you and nancy's like yeah um so you're you're looking for koya huh so here's the bad thing like he didn't know where Koi was at all. Like, all he knew was that Koi was suddenly missing. So he sees Nancy. He finds out that Nancy's asking questions about him and about Koi. And he's like, oh, okay, okay. So he, he manages to put two and two together. In the meantime, there's an elephant stampede. And Dickhead just, like, hauls ass like a complete coward. And other people have to take over because old Tom, who you may remember from earlier wants to fucking stomp his ass into the ground because he's like, I don't forget shit, and you're a dickhead. Um, While he's stampeding, trying to just knock the stuffing out of this bitch, um, the elephant runs up to a group of children, and of course, all of them except one gets away, and Nancy manages to save the little girl who was still in the elephant's path by, like, grabbing her and, and rolling off to the side, and everybody's like, oh my god, you saved her! And Nancy's like, it was nothing, oh my god! So the next day is when they found out that the house has burned down. Because of course it has. 
So they go out there. And of course, Ned, who I think is surveilling Nancy's house and is just waiting for her to stir so that he can come up to her and be like, hey, we should do something. Um, Apparently, there's going to be a house party at Emerson at the Omega house. And Ned's like, the girls are taking it over and it's going to be fantastic. And Nancy's like, well, I've got this mystery and like, you know, things are getting pretty exciting. And Ned's like, I know, but you need to relax and it would be fantastic. And we're going to have tennis and it's a swimming party. And oh my God, it's going to be the best. And Nancy's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Ned's like, there's going to be dancing. <laughs> For fuck's sake, Nancy, there's going to be dancing. And Nancy's like, well, I don't have anything to wear. And Ned's like, Girl, you are going to be the hottest girl there no matter what you wear. And you're like, you are the best, Ned Dickerson, even though in the text it says in man fashion as though he's that dense, like he doesn't understand. And Nancy's like, Ned, be serious. Everybody there is going to be wearing the most fashionable shit they have. Like, I'm going to need to rock this. But anyway, so all of them go out there to see the place after the fires happen and they see... Old Batty, who you may remember from earlier, accusing everybody on God's green earth of stealing his papers. Um, Nancy's like, who, who, do you, who do you think stole the papers? Because then he's like, I know who stole my papers. It was that guy. And Nancy's like, well, which guy? Because initially he blamed Koya for it. And then he blamed Nancy for it. He, he blamed like everybody. It was like, were you in my proximity? Then you stole my fucking papers. But this time he blames Peter, who was the previous night watchman. Which, I've got questions. Was it to keep people from strangling themselves in trapeze ropes? Because clearly you have failed in every possible level of this job. Along with probably getting sauced every single possible minute. But anyway. So, they see Miss Allison out there digging through the ruins of her house. Like, oh my god, I have to get to my treasures. And Nancy's like, the, what? Like, your house is burned down. Like, I, I don't remember seeing anything in these tunnels that could possibly be described as treasures. Like, I remember seeing this, like, set of lockers, for fuck's sake. It's as though there was some sort of excised C-plot that we never saw. But anyway, um, so Carson's like, look, if it's that fucking important to you, okay. Like, we'll, we'll try to get to the tunnel, which is apparently where you've hidden your treasures or some shit. So they managed to dig in there. Nancy goes down there with her father, and her father's like, you shouldn't come in here. Like, there's there's going to be fumes. It's going to be bad. And Nancy's like, if it's, if it's going to be bad, then you're going to also be in it. So, you know, don't try to warn me off. And so they leave everybody else up there. Um, oh, Ned drives up to see the smoking ruins of the house at this point. Like, he did not initially go with them, which uh, I was like, maybe he is recalling his and Nancy's first meeting, and he's just feeling nostalgic. And also, maybe Nancy frequents burned houses. Anyway, so Nancy, her father, and Miss Allison go down. Miss Allison leads them to the right place in the tunnel. They find a bunch of just random boxes that apparently... And Carson's like, why don't you just leave them here until like it's safe to come down here? And she's like, no, no, somebody might steal my treasures. And they're like, okay, crazy pants. And then, of course, the tunnel fucking caves in. And so Nancy and her dad look at each other and they're like, well, th this is fucking awkward. And Miss Allison immediately starts flipping out. She's like, oh, my God, I don't know what to do. Oh, my God. Um, so Nancy manages to get a hole big enough to crawl through, runs up there, finds some heads there. And she's like, oh, my, thank God you're here. You need to help dig us out because the girls had tried to help dig them out. But then Ned arrives and she's like, Ned can do this. And indeed he can. 
because he's the fucking best. So he manages to dig them out of the tunnel. They get out of there and Miss Allison like refuses to leave any of these boxes behind. So they manage to cart them up to the surface and then Miss Allison like passes the fuck out and everybody's like, what do you want us to... Oh, we don't even have your home address. Like, what? Oh, okay. Okay. So I guess you're in a trance again. Okay. Like, I got a lot of questions about this chick. Like, did she do a fuck ton of acid? This is 1936. So the answer is no. But like, she just, this seems to be her way of dealing with stress is to just go into a fucking trance state as one does. So anyway, um, so Carson and Ned look at each other. At one point, Ned accidentally drops a box on the ground, like some jewels spill out of it. And Ned's like, oh, shit, nobody told me there were just jewels in here. And Miss Allison is like, no, no, not my jewels. No, oh, my God, my jewels. And like passes out. So they decide to go to a bank and they keep they're like, what, what's the name of your bank? What, what what bank do you bank at? And she's just like, I don't know where the fuck I am. Um, so they just pick a bank take all of it there, put it in a safe deposit box, and then come back with what they say are her credentials, so her way to access the safe deposit box, and she's just the fuck out of it, and they're like, okay, you know that everything that we pulled out of the tunnel is in there, right? Like, like you know that? Like, can you, can you hear us right now? And she's like, whatever, bye, and just gets in her car and leaves, and they're like, okay, and that's like, not even a fucking thank you for hauling that shit up, like, okay, cool. Nancy, we're going to the house party, right? And she's like, I guess, I guess we're going to the house party, which she initially is like, eh. but the closer it comes, the more excited she is about it. Because of course it's a fucking dance and she gets to dance with Ned. So she gets there. Um, and there's a Karen who is in charge of them because of course you have to have like the dorm mother who is in charge of whatever the fuck's going on. So they have a dance and everything's fantastic and Ned's like at when they come up to collect their dates Ned looks at Nancy and he's like oh my god like no one is gonna let me dance with you tonight because you you are just off the hook girl and Nancy's like thank you so they go to the dance and just as Ned said like everybody fucking cuts in on them like everybody wants a piece of this and Ned gets really frustrated with it he does say oh my god there is an Indian exchange student that I should introduce you to and Nancy's like I would love that because, of course, everything's about India in this book. So she meets him and he's like, oh, my God, that ivory charm you have. And Nancy's like, I know, right? It's pretty fucking cool. So he's fascinated with it. And he he's like, you know, it's said that some of these because this looks like it may have belonged to a Raja. And Nancy's like, of course it does. And he's like, some people say that within these is some elixir that can mean the difference between life and death. And Nancy's like, please tell me everything that you know about that because I am deeply curious. And so he says, well, apparently there was like this little vessel within the charm that, you know, the liquid inside would either help somebody come back to life or it would kill them. And Nancy's like, well, how do you know which one you have? And he was like, oh, well, if it was going to give you life, it was a light color. And if it was going to kill you, it was a dark color. And Nancy's like, that's easy enough to remember. So after that, Ned comes up to them and he's like, I would like to dance with my girlfriend, please. Which, by the way, they never refer to each other as boyfriend and girlfriend in these books. It's just like kind of unstated and known to everyone but anyway they're going steady so 
after that, like, Nancy tumbles into bed. She's exhausted. She wakes up the next morning and she's like, where the fuck is my ivory charm? She can't find it. She looks everywhere. Um, the Karen who was in charge of them, the whole reason that I brought her up is that she was like, you know, when did you see it last? Where were you wearing it? Nancy's like, oh, well, the last time I remember, like, really noticing it is I was at the dance and I was talking to the Indian exchange student. And she's not saying it in a, and I think he stole it way. She's just like, oh, I remember, like, significantly looking at it at that point because we were discussing it. So the Karen calls up the Indian exchange student and is like, did you see the charm? Did you do something with the charm? Did you want the charm? Like, she questions him to the point that he actually fucking... And Ned pulls up afterward and says, Nancy, you do know that, like, this Karen bitch called him up and basically accused him of taking your charm. And he got so fucking upset that he actually packed his shit and is leaving his boarding house because he's afraid he's going to be arrested. Nancy's like, what the fuck? I... That doesn't make sense. Like... I don't suspect him of doing it. I don't think that he had anything to do with it. Like, what the fuck? So they actually go to the boarding house, and he's already, like, bolted. They find him walking down the road, and when he sees them, he actually starts crying. He's like, I'm so sorry. I didn't take it. I didn't take it. And Nancy's like, we don't think you took it. Like, oh, my God. What the fuck? Get in the car. So they convince him to go back to the boarding house because they're like, you're fine. You're not a suspect in this. Nobody thinks you did it. But did you like mention it to anybody? And he's like, I mean, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe I mentioned it. I don't know. Um, because also Nancy brought up dickhead's name in that conversation. He was like, that guy is bad news. And Nancy's like, how do you know that? Because here's the other fun thing about this book. All the Indians in this book know each other as you do. So (laughs) anyway, So, the charm is gone, and of course, Nancy's been told that it's good luck, and so now that she doesn't have it anymore, like, that's, that's gotta be bad luck, of course. So, she gets back, and she finds out that, actually, what happens is the tutor, Nancy goes to, like, this house party that's hosted by somebody, and the professor who is tutoring Koya is also there, and he mentions the tutoring sessions to the hostess, who then mentions them to Miss Allison, because she knows that Miss Allison is is into Indian shit, and Miss Allison then passes it along to Dickhead, that she knows where Koya is. Through process of elimination, we know that Koya is staying with the Drews. So, Koya is up in his over-the-garage attic studying when dipshit walks in with a chloroform-soaked rag and fucking kidnaps his ass. And no one knows that this has happened until the next day, like when he doesn't come down to breakfast. They have no clue. So Nancy goes up there because Hannah's like, he's got chores to do, and if he does not get down here, his breakfast is going to be cold. So Nancy goes up there, and she finds the, the rag, which she picks up, and she's like, sedative like immediately which i thought was hilarious and like his inkwell has been knocked over and like the the chair's been knocked over and she's like okay i think he's been kidnapped his bed has not been slept in he would not leave like this i know him i think he's been kidnapped so the rest of the book honestly is nancy trying to figure out what the fuck has happened to him so that's where we'll pick up with the next segment Okay, so to recap, 
Koi has been kidnapped. I mean, that's pretty much all you need to know at this point. <laughs> and we know that his quote-unquote adoptive father is the person who did it, like, because he's the only suspect that we have as far as that goes. Other than the, of course, evilly named Steve Roach, who I also don't know what the fuck his purpose in this book was other than to be like, get the fuck off our property, like, and to just come and bodily lift Miss Allison into his car for vague reasons. Um, there's a point later in the book where they're going around to every single circus that they can find in like a hundred mile radius just to see if maybe he's joined, the dipshit has joined back up with the circus and maybe they can find Koya and make sure he's okay because they've got a real good feeling that he's not. Um, and they're coming back and they actually see Miss Allison and Steve Roach at a diner that they stop in on the way back and Nancy goes, they're apparently having some sort of argument, but they don't get close enough to hear it. And Nancy goes up to her and she's like, hey, I just wanted to talk to you. And she's like, now is not a good time. And Nancy's like, I just wanted to ask you some questions. And she's like, um, I'm kind of in the middle of something. And Nancy's like, well, if you could just give me your address. And Miss Allison is like, uh, I mean, just write to me general delivery and I'll be sure to get it that way. Bye. And so she hauls ass and Nancy's like, yeah, and what you're going to do is just say that you never got it because of fucking general delivery, and it's like she doesn't want me to know where she is, which seems sketch, but okay. So what she decides is, because she's heard that through Jasper Bat, old batty, that apparently the previous watchman is the one who stole the papers, she's like, well, let me go see him. Maybe, maybe he did steal the papers, and I'm deeply curious about what's in those papers. If you will remember, in Nancy's mysterious letter, like, some mail is opened, and she's like, I'm a good girl, and I would never look at mail, but these things she is deeply interested in seeing, even though they are clearly not hers. So, she goes to this guy's house, and she's like, I have a business proposition for you, and he's like, really? Because he is living in what looks like a lean-to, like, it, it looks like he's fucking squatting on this land, even though he just moved into the existing structure, which is like a repurposed barn of some sort. But anyway, so um, she's talking to him, and then all of a sudden this dog comes up and is coming after Bess and George, who are outside, because they were like, we ain't going in there. We will stand outside and just hope for the best. So the dog comes up, and Nancy's like, get the dog off my friends. And so Peter runs out there to get the dog to stop going after George and Bess, and Nancy accidentally knocks over a teapot, and there are the papers. (laughs) Because she's just good that way. So she sees that they're the papers that she apparently wants. She just swaps, like, an old letter for them and tucks them into her jacket and is like, okay, bye. And they get a little bit down the road. And Nancy's like, I've got to stop and look at these papers. Like, oh, my God. So they pull over and they see a cow pasture that they're like, this seems like a good place to stop. And Nancy's like, man, I wish we had a picnic about now. And Bess is like... Um, would a peanut butter sandwich and some chocolate cake do? And Nancy's like, sure, if we're talking about, like, fantasy things that we're into. And Bess is like, no, look, because apparently she had just been doing some grocery shopping before Nancy picked her up and just threw her into the car, as Nancy does. And that's what's in her bag is a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and a chocolate cake that is fresh from the bakery. And I was like, y'all been driving your asses around the countryside all day long with a chocolate cake in the... Okay. Okay, that's fine. And Nancy's like, man, it's a shame that we don't have any silverware. Like, they have no way to do this. And they're like, oh, we'll figure it out. We can eat with our hands. 
and I'm just imagining because they're like this is gonna be a lot of fun just imagine them like just scooping up big old pieces of chocolate cake into their hands so that they can eat them like sure why not why the fuck not Nancy's like we can just find some wood and use that for a, a spatula to spread the peanut butter and I'm like I would die oh my god use your swiss army knife where's your swiss army knife oh my god anyway they spread out the paper some of them are written in sanskrit and some of them are written in english and they have seals on them and nancy looks at them and she's like oh my god this says that koya is a displaced raja but he he's a maharaja that he is in charge of a and then she looks at it and says i can't even pronounce the name of this country like it's a location within India, and she's like, I don't even know. Like, the text does not even have any sort of representation for it, because, of course, it's fictional, but also the whole, like, that's a little bit awkward. Okay. Um, but Nancy's like, you know, this clearly says that this is what happened, and it's like the equivalent of, like, finding a random Facebook post that's like, oh, my grandpa was actually, like, the displaced queen of Bulgravia or some shit, like... Nancy I mean it's handwritten it's not even typewritten it's handwritten and Nancy's like this says that Miss Allison was involved in like something about like faking his death and getting him out of the country and it's just this is everything this is everything that we needed um so they go back by the house and I literally cannot remember why like I don't know if it was just to maybe see if Miss Allison was there or what but what they find is that old baddie is talking to the insurance adjuster who has come out to the building and is like this building was clearly burned down like this was not an accident somebody burned this mother down so y'all ain't getting shit and old baddie's like no no like some random vagrant burned it down i don't know and then he sees nancy and he's like she did it she burned it down and nancy's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about at any given time like you're just ridiculously bonkers and he's like she stole my papers too and nancy um awkwardly enough has just stolen the papers just not from him so she's like oh my god i hope they don't search me so the guy's like what are you doing here and nancy's like i just stopped because i wanted to see if miss allison was here and i wanted to check in on her and maybe you know my father and <laughs> the insurance guy's like oh who's your father and nancy's like carson drew and he's like oh my god hey uh, that's really cool because of course and uh, when they get out of there, Nancy's like, oh, my God, thank God they didn't search me. And Bess and George are like, yeah, that was that was a close one until your name dropped. So good job. Good job all around. So they still have to find Koya. They still don't know where he is. And Nancy decides to go see Stackpole, the professor who first off the professor who actually like managed to give away the location so that other people would find him so she contacts Stackpole and she's like look I need to talk to Miss Allison who is nowhere to be found I wrote her a letter I went by her house I don't know where she is and I think that she knows where Koya is like I've got a real good feeling about that so can you help me can you call her because she's she's not going to talk to me but she'd be super flattered if you said that you wanted to talk to her because like you are an expert on India and she is deeply into Indian things so and Professor Stackpole's like, well, if it can help find Koya, sure. I'm, I'm cool with it. So he invites her over. Nancy is hiding in the next room because, of course, she is, just to see what happens. And Ms. Allison, like, 
reads from her jeweled book, which gave me weird, like, Mormon vibes, because I was like, wasn't there something about them finding golden tablets? I mean, it's fine. Um, so she's reading aloud from it, and she's just getting all excited, and she's talking about, like, the, the displaced Maharaja and how it was very important that she saw in a dream that she needed to just dip her toe into white saviouring in India. And Nancy's listening, and but she's not getting anything that's, like, really about Koya. So she decides to leave the house, come around to the front door, knock on it, and then be like, oh, my God, Miss Allison, I did not know that you were even here. And then Nancy pretends that she goes into a psychic state because, of course, she does. And she points at Miss Allison dramatically, and she's like, you know where Koya is. And Miss Allison, like, falls on the floor, and she's like... I do. He's at the old house. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then like at the critical moment, the phone rings. And so Ms. Allison kind of like snaps out of it. And he's like, fuck, 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 fuck. We were doing so good. And it ends up being her father, actually. So, um, Nancy goes back into the room and she finds that Professor Stackpole's on the ground. Somebody has just beat his head in and Ms. Allison is nowhere to be seen. And Nancy walks over to the old guy and she's like, oh my God, what the fuck? And he's like, he gradually comes around like he's still disoriented but she's like fucking hell like there's there's been a lot of head injuries in this book there's just a lot of people punching each other in the head he's like I don't know what happened she she hit me and she left and I don't know so Nancy goes to the kitchen to find some ice because (laughs) because Ned has walked in (laughs) it's like Ned finds out where Nancy's going waits 15 minutes and then follows her like at all points so he walks in and sees that Professor Stackpole's on the ground. He's like, go get some ice. And so Nancy goes and finds some ice in the kitchen. And as she's getting that, she sees somebody sneak into the house. And she's like, oh, fuck no, not on my watch. And so she opens the pantry because whoever it is has just stolen a fucking pie. Because, of course, we cannot get more cliched. And it's Koya. And Nancy's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Koya's like, I got away from dipshit, and I've been hiding in the woods, and I haven't eaten in two days, and oh my god. And Nancy's like, eat that whole damn pie, girl. You deserve it. <laughs> so she goes to stack pole, and she's like, hey, guess who I found in your pantry? <laughs> and Stackpole's like, oh, okay, well, um, I, I really want to go lay down for the rest of the day, but I will have somebody set up a room for Koya. Nobody's going to look for him here. And I'm like, this is the first fucking place they're going to look, you dipshits. Because, again, he's the one who gave away that that he was helping Koya. Like, he's he clearly likes the little boy. So, whatever. I'd be like, that's the second place they're going to look after the Drew household. So, they get back home. Koya gets missing again. Nancy finds out... Um, which you're like, of course, of course he fucking does. Um, Nancy's like, okay, well, when Ms. Allison said that he was being held at the house, I think that she was probably being accurate. So let's go there. Let's, let's see what's going on. So they go out there and they see Batty. Yeah. With a thermos. Yeah. And he walks up to the rock that has the door in it. Remember the one they can't open from the outside and everybody's watching like very intently. They're like, Oh my God, is he going to show us how to open the door? Which he hits it six times, waits and hits it six more times. And the door swings open from the inside. So it's just like a secret code. So they wait until he's gone, go up and do the same thing. And when they open it, Nacy's like, Koya, Koya, are you in here? And the voice that answered her is clearly not Koya, but she's like, but I mean, I'm going to go check it out. So she goes in there and she finds out that Peter, the guy that she stole the fucking papers from, is like chained to a radiator or some shit. So she's like, 
so what happened? And he's like, well, they, they found out that I didn't have the papers and it got super fucking awkward for me. And Nancy's like, okay, do you know where Koya is? And the guy's like, what am I going to get if I tell you? And Nancy's like, uh, being a good person for just like a split second of your life. What the fuck? I'm not going to let you go until you tell me where he is. He's like, well, I'm going to have to show you. And Nancy's like, I don't trust you at all. So let's get in my car. So what she finds out from him is that, um, Koya is actually in the loft at his farm, at Peter's farm. So they had gone, like, the police had searched everywhere that they could possibly think of this related to this case. They'd searched his house, but they had not searched the loft in the barn. So, so they go out there, and actually it's, let me think, it's just Nancy and Peter. I think, no. No, I think it ends up being Nancy and George. I think that Peter also goes out there or like some, it doesn't matter. I know that it's like Nancy and George. So Nancy and George go out there and <laughs> this is the most like evil villain shit ever. Um, dipshit sees them pulling up because of course he's in the loft. So he's able to see a distance down the road. He sees them pulling up and he's like, oh yeah, they ain't getting the drop on me. So. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. Nancy and George go into the barn and they hear an evil laugh behind them. <laughs> he slams the door shut and then ties them up and he's like, I'm going to go kill Koya and there ain't shit you can do about it. And Nancy's like, oh my God, no, do not do this. Do not do this. What are, What is wrong with you? And he's like, why should I not do it? And Nancy's like, because you're going to be punished. <laughs> like the authorities are going to throw you in jail for this. And he actually pauses for a second. He's like, still worth it. So he's got the good luck charm that he gave Nancy that he was so desperate to get back. He's got Koya upstairs. And again, like they wanted to depose him and they faked his death. So now just to have him die in the U.S. Like he's, he's a fucking undocumented citizen. So, so Nancy and George are trying desperately to get out of their rope bonds and they can't and they hear dipshit upstairs chanting and then he's like it is done and he's just like oh my god fuck 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 so finally the cops get there I don't remember what took them so fucking long but anyway so um Nancy and George get out of their bonds they grab dipshit and they go up and see Koya and they're like yeah he's dead and you're like no no he can't be dead and Nancy's like the ivory charm the ivory charm give me the ivory charm so the police rip it off dipshit and hand it to Nancy and Nancy's like ah I feel like this thing has got elixir in it. Shit. Shit. But how? I just don't know. So she manages to like break a tusk off and she sees that it's got a pale liquid inside and she's like, maybe this will save him. So she goes up to Koya, pours some into his mouth. Like he's not breathing. His heart is not beating. And she pours it in and then like it takes a minute and then all of a sudden he starts breathing. So she starts doing CPR and eventually he wakes up and he's like, oh my God, you saved me. And Nancy's like, you're a Maharaja. And he's like, I always knew I was. And then he passes out. So at the end of it, everybody's in jail, except for Peter, who was just like an accessory after the fact, like apparently because he became like quasi good at the end of it. They're like, I mean, it's okay. We're going to let you go. But his neighbors like basically handed him out of town, which was an interesting side note to add at the end of this thing. Um, 
Let me think. I think that Stackpole's involved in, at the very end of it. Like, he looks at the documents that Nancy found, and he confirms that, yeah, apparently, like, Koya is this displaced Maharaja, and he contacts the people in India, and they're like, yeah, we'll take him back. It'll be fine. The person they put on the throne in place of him just, like, flees the country. So that's fun. And Nancy's like, that's pretty fucking cool. And Koya's like, I want you to come to my country. I think you would love it. And you could just take like a little vacation there. It would be really cool. And Nancy looks at her dad and she's like, I mean, I've always wanted to go to India. And Ned, of course, is there because Ned is always there. And he's like, Nancy, I just, I just don't know. Because he knows that Nancy's going to run into a mystery while she's there. Like, she can't help it. And also, it's very far away. And also, there's a bunch of men there. Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm going to have to back up. Of course I am. During the time that they could not find Koya. And they were looking everywhere. And they finally were like, I just don't know. Like, there were... Koya was gone for like a good solid two weeks. Like, let me just be real about that. Um... (laughs) Carson's like, fuck it, we're going to Washington, D.C. And Nancy's like, of course, what? Because <laughs> here's the thing, and here's the thing that I had actually not considered before I was reading this. This is 1936. India is a British colony. They go to, the, to Washington, D.C. to talk to somebody who can connect them to somebody in the British government because that's the person that she would actually talk to. And his name is Mr. George, which of course is easy to remember because George, they're different people. So Nancy meets him and he's very impressed by her. And then Mr. George just happens to mention her to the first lady later on that day. And then Nancy gets this message from the first lady that's like, Hey, I would like to invite you to tea. And I looked it up, and of course, it's Eleanor Roosevelt, who it would have been for this book. They never name her. They just say that the first lady would like to have tea with her. And so Nancy's like, how can I fucking say no to an invitation to tea from the first lady? So Nancy goes and has tea with the first lady. And the first lady's like, tell me all about being a detective because that sounds super cool. And she's also invited some friends who it's, it's kind of like she's showing Nancy off like a little show and tell thing. Like... Look, I found an amateur detective. Your turn. Um, (laughs) Which I thought was fucking fascinating. So at the end of it, like, Mr. George is like, yeah, the British government is, you know, because it was almost like they were going to get the British government to fucking stage a coup if they needed to, as you do. But anyway, so at the end of it, um, yeah. Koya is returning to his country and he's going to be the ruler of it as he was always intended to be even though he is 12 years old and was rumored to have been eaten by a tiger so everyone ends happily and Nancy's like bitch you know I'm here for another mystery and the book actually ends with a teaser for the next book which we are not going to do we're actually going to skip that book and we're going to go to the haunted bridge which again is pretty golf heavy although it is not set at a naturally occurring golf course so we're going to talk about the other things in the next segment so to rip the band-aid right off on this, as always, um, I looked at the revised text for this just because I was curious, and they don't change very much about this, actually. Um, they don't talk about Koya's parents in the 1936 version. It's just that clearly they were royalty, and in the revised version, like it, it, they're reuniting the father with his son because the father is in the United States. But otherwise, like it's the same basic plot, pretty much, and... We are very, very strongly into magical other territory here because Koya is presented as like this 
I'm not going to quite say model minority, but very close to it where he is very hardworking. He's very smart. He also like is a bit coy, coya, whenever he needs to be. Um, he doesn't want to go back to his abusive father, which again, like it's the thing is that this was probably like really brown, groundbreaking at the time. Like the fact that they, they're even concerned about his welfare, because again, there's this moment where Bess is like, is this even our job to interfere in this? Because it's this guy who says that this is his son. So, I mean, if he wants to beat his ass with a whip, I guess we should let him. And you're like, how about no? How about never? Because you get the feeling that if they had seen something like this happening to Honey, they would have been like incredibly enraged on her behalf. So there's that. Um, dipshit, her, who is Koya's quote, adopted father. Um, He's presented as very superstitious. He's like cartoon villain-esque. Seriously, when I said at the end of it that like he was evil laughing behind a door, he was legit doing that shit. He smothered Koya to death under some blankets and pillows. Like, because when the people come up there to check on him after the fact, because he's up in the loft in the barn, they're like, yeah, so he smothered him to death. So there's that. And like he was chanting over him he's got this superstitious involvement with the ivory charm like once he gets it back and the thing is that the plot of the book actually kind of buys into that theory because after nancy loses the charm like her luck changes she can't find koya she can't find any sort of leads that are gonna get her to where she needs to go she has to do a lot of work to get through the rest of the mystery and then there's the question of this fucking magical elixir. And she actually literally refers to it as magical. Like, she takes this thing and this boy who appears to be dead, she, like, literally pours it into his mouth and then he revives. And it's fascinating because she doesn't look at it and go, oh, my God, this is, like, a miracle that I should turn over to scientists so that they, should, they can reproduce it. Because, like, oh, my God, can you imagine if we could use this on other people? She's like... Yeah, it seems legit. Like, it's a thing that's going to work on Koya because he is Indian. Like, because he is magical, this magical elixir will work on him. It definitely feels like it's kind of compartmentalized that way. And, of course, it's an elephant. And Stackpole, who is the white guy who is the expert on Indian culture that Nancy consults, um, he's the one who tells her about, like, the caste system. He's like, there's some things over there that would horrify you, like the way that the difference between castes and how the lower caste people are treated. And they talk about how some people worship the white elephant. And, again, there's the whole colonist sense of they're not like us, they're savages, they're superstitious, they buy into all this bullshit that we are enlightened people and we never would, and Stackpole at least has some respect for what he's talking about, because he's like, you know, it, there's so much over there that would blow your mind, because it's just gorgeous, and, but it's also very firmly presented as an other within this context, which, Again, it's, it's so tricky and it's so hard. Like, after they come back and after they've confirmed that Koya is indeed a Maharaja, like, he is, he's royalty. He has, by his birth, he has the leadership of a country. Like, Hannah's like, I can't believe that we put him in the room over the garage. And I was, like, working his little bony ass off. And he's going to be in the best guest room in the house. And you're like, 
he should have been that all along. He's a 12-year-old who's been fucking abused by some, like, he, he talks, of, Koya talks about India a lot and, like, these glowing terms. Like, he loves India and he loves, there's a point in the book where he's asking Nancy, like, what the names of the birds are that he's seeing in the United States and, like, when they're going out for a picnic. And Nancy's like, I'm actually embarrassed to say that I don't know the names of half of these. And Koya is like coming up with all the names of all this. He's telling her all about India and all about the plants and animals and everything there. And Nancy feels kind of ashamed that she doesn't have this encyclopedic knowledge of her country the way that he does. Which again, like he's presented as this like unattainable ideal Koya is. He's he's somebody who has been mistreated and yet he's still like keeping a positive attitude so yeah there's all of that and there's the fact that it stays in even after the revisions which is not all that surprising but yeah and again that is super cute in this book and I do love the fact that he's like I'm gonna punch out the next person who tries to cut in on Nancy and me at this dance like Seriously, he shows up everywhere right behind her. He invites her to the dance. He's he's like, we're going to that dance. And they have a damn good time. Like, they dance the night away. And you're like, yes. Like, there's some actually, like, really sweet stuff between them that I really loved in this book. So we're going to leave it with that. And the next book, like I said, we're going to do Haunted Bridge next. And that's going to be the last one for this set for season two, which is going to pick up after the haunted bridge that one's gonna we're gonna do a batch of the files because i fucking love the files so we're gonna do that next so i'm gonna alternate between the mystery stories and the files so we're gonna be going between the 1930s and then 50 years in the future to the 1980s so fantastic so i will see you next week hope you enjoyed it